taking Nathan so long. We gotta do this Oppenheimer review. Oof. Nathan. Sorry, bro. I had to drop a bomb. Welcome back to the Real Talk Podcast, episode 95. I'm your host, Nathan, and I'm joined by the man himself, Matthew Neves, to my left. Thank you. And today, we are going to be discussing Oppenheimer. 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 We have seen it. Holy the wait shit. is over. Barbenheimer is, is here. It's here. And wow. So uh, we talked about Barbie on our last episode, if you want to check that out and our yeah. general thoughts on that film. Spoilers, they're both fucking amazing. Please go watch them. Yeah. Um, and if you're new to the podcast, this yes. is your first time watching, drop a subscribe for us. Uh, check out our reviews. If you're into Barbenheimer, check out our reviews for both of the films. Mm -hmm. And uh, let us know your thoughts in the comments. We always want to hear how you guys feel. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so Nathan, we saw both trailers for Barbie and Oppenheimer. We generally know what our thoughts were for Barbie when the trailer came out. What were your general thoughts for Oppenheimer? I mean, it, it, looked, <laughs> it looked right up my alley, right? Yeah. I, we saw, I saw the trailer, and it, it looked right up my alley. Visually stunning, uh, a packed cast, uh, a really cool premise, a really yes. personal cool premise. And once again, like Barbie, my expectations were somehow exceeded even though they were already very high yeah going into it um wow i don't i don't know where to start uh this movie's so good <laughs> it, it's really good i think what where i stood with oppenheimer was christopher nolan's films have been really interesting in that they haven't really gone too far off stylistically he has a style he has a he has a distinct style he has a distinct way of pacing and editing that i feel like if you're not subscribed to it you're not going to connect as well mm -hmm. from his other films. So something like Tenet, I tried watching again, and I feel like I'm not a huge fan of just like this action on action on action. It's not Michael Bay bad, where no. that is just straight up mind-numbing. Yeah. But there's a certain point where I feel like I, I, the older you get, the less you feel for a lot of these action scenes, unless it's like a Mad Max Fury Road, unless it's like a Top Gun Maverick. There's a big set piece every 15 or 20 minutes in Tenet. Yeah, and I, I feel like the... I'm not going to say gimmick. I'm, I'm going to say the reversing of time. It's yeah. like Nolan really likes that. Inception did it. Interstellar did it. Tenet did it. So it's like... Okay, we got to move away from the sci-fi. Mm -hmm. So when I look at Oppenheimer, I'm just like, okay, this is a biopic film. Is it a war film? Is it an epic like, oh, there's going to be so much gun shooting and stuff like that? No. No, it's this not. This is not an action film. Not even a, a little bit. And most of this film are people talking in yeah. rooms. And it's my favorite Christopher Nolan film because of that. It, the only action-y part is the explosion. Yeah. It, the test explosion. The yeah, the Trinity test. Yes. Which is <laughs> it's such amazing. an epic scene. <laughs> Holy shit. An epic scene where like I just had chills, hair standing up on my arms. It's 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 amazing. It's masterfully done. Yeah. But uh yeah, like you said, this movie is three hours of people talking. Yep. And 
and it's and it's it's a it's almost a perfect film. It's really de- it's a really dense film. Yes. And immediately after I saw it, all I could think about is I really want to see it again. Yeah. Because it's one of those movies, and I I mean Nolan has done this before. He challenges you on the first watch that like that yeah. a lot of his films you got to see it twice. That's that's the thing too. I've I've noticed it's like movies like even the Dark Knight trilogy have this where it's like you got to watch it over and over again. It's got that nice watchability to it, but. I do understand with the with some critics where they're like, oh, this dialogue's just too epic. It's like they're acting like every scene is the most important thing of all time. With the subject matter of Oppenheimer, and I feel like the characters as well, there's more reason for it. I completely agree. There's more reason for it because of the paranoia of World War II. And also, I just think the subject matter works better in this than other Nolan films. I feel like this is his biggest strength. And I also feel like Nolan is putting more of his character himself into Killian Murphy's Oppenheimer performance. Oh, this is his most personal film by far. An act of hubris, you could say. I feel like there's a lot of hubris within this film, and I love that. I love the fact that Nolan portrays Oppenheimer in this very complex way where it's like he's not good, fully good. He's not fully bad. He's very gray, just like every character in this film. Dealing with the subject matter is really fucking tough. Tough, and the 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 way that they do it is is really really brilliant, especially the black and white and color scenes. At first, I didn't know why he did that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was I thought it was because like the black and white represented the post Hiroshima Nagasaki. That's what I thought as well. Yeah, yeah. but um, it was actually uh, subjective and objective. I, yeah, I've seen no one talking about that. And I thought that was really brilliant. And I figured that out when uh, Robert Downey Jr. was talking to Oppenheimer in the same way but just different, like, the way it was shot, the way it was performed. I was like, damn, like, they're they're going that direction with it. And I just, like, I don't know. Like, I, I understand where people are coming from with this movie where it's just like, oh, it's just people talking. Like, it's very... Yeah. But the way it's done, the way it's executed, the visuals, the sound design, it's so beautiful. Like, it's, it all comes together. It's so beautiful. It's my kind of film. It's Godfather-esque. I mean, it's lots of people talking and mm-hmm. not too much action. A lot of exposition and, you know, nuance. But yeah. it just works so well. I understand if you... So this movie's not made for everybody. Right. I could understand why some people... Some people are just not up for sitting through a three-hour epic films, right? Yeah. Some people don't get The Godfather or films like that. and But... This film is made for film lovers. I think this this film, obviously, you and I were gonna love. Yeah, I, I knew it going in. I, I saw there was a very little chance that I didn't. I was disappointed by this film, based it, on the um, you know what I was seeing from the initial reviews and. Right, right. I I'm, I was so impressed with what Nolan was able to do with it because of the fact that he could have easily just made it. Like explosion after explosion after explosion, which we know that he's the best at already. Yeah, exactly. Action set pieces. He's probably my favorite director. I'm not a huge fan of a- action films, but yeah, um, yeah. Christopher Nolan is the best working director today. That's, yeah. This movie, this movie, I think shows that he has um, he has mastered the craft. Um, he is a phenomenal director. Mm-hmm. And I want to see more personal uh, movies like this going forward with Nolan. I've seen you master the action. Mm-hmm. You're the best at it. Uh, let's let's go with this direction uh, moving forward, I think. it's Yeah, it's really impressive how he does it, though, because I'm going to be honest. This is more like a courtroom drama. 
it 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 the way he it's like con- two movies in one. Yeah, the way he constructs this movie is kind of like really brilliant. In of that, he uses like setup scenes. It's like this is the scenes that I'm gonna set up. One, two, three, boom. We cut to back and forth on all of them. Then we're gonna do a payoff. But before we do that payoff, we're gonna set up even more scenes that build up not only Oppenheimer's character but various other characters that worked with him, worked for him, and it's like. If you think to yourself, like, oh, are these going to match? And, like, they always they do. They always do. And it's, but it's not, it's not convoluted to the point where it's just like, oh, what's happening here? What's happening there? Like, then, like, a big issue I had with his previous film, Tenet, is sound design. I couldn't really understand a lot of what the characters were saying, yeah. which is bad if you're dealing with a very heavy concept like that. Yeah. This, on the other hand, because of the fact that they're, you know, interrogating Oppenheimer, you know, the McCarthyisms, the McCarthy era of, of communism, fascism, World War II, post-World War II, it's like there is so much shit to handle. And the sound mixing and dialogue work really well together. I never felt like it was, um, it was too important. It felt like it had the right amount of importance with each dialogue. It wasn't like, "You're the you're the craziest person of all time." Yeah, this is insane, Oppenheimer. You're too you're too badass. You know, it's it's never like that. Oppenheimer no. is portrayed like a socially awkward. Felt so <laughs> real. This this movie, I mean, off rip like the editing and the characters, the performances. They just really immerse you in it, like. You feel like you're almost there with them going through this. Uh, the way it's the way it's cut, I felt so immersed in this movie. And it is a three-hour film with a lot of talking, but mm-hmm. I couldn't look away. At times, the tension is so high. I mean, leading up to that Trinity test, which is yeah. like a climax on its own. Mm-hmm. It's it, the tensions are so high. It's it's so exciting. They build it up so well. Yeah. Because another thing too, from a technical perspective, is like the shout out to how they actually do the explosions. They actually do them. It's not like, boom. It's like, no, you wouldn't hear shit because that's how fucking loud it is. So it would take a second, and then you hear it, and then when they do the Trinity test. When that bomb explodes. (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about the Trinity test scene. Yo, goosebumps, man. Just easily the best scene of the film, I I think. Yeah. fucking blew me away. Um, You you know, they they build it up so well that your expectations are so high, and it still blows it I saw a couple of people saying they were a little bit underwhelmed by the bomb scene. Oh, I completely, no. Like, they thought maybe it should have been bigger. I no. completely fucking disagree. No. This is the best way to do it because, I, I mean, visually it's beautiful, but the reception of the bomb, it's like, you know, he's he's happy, but he's not happy. It's like a weird thing. It's like it worked, but is that a good thing? Well, for him, because you could go into that where it's just like, what are Oppenheimer's morals in this? And um, Robert Downey Jr.'s character, Louis Strauss, kind of demonstrates that as well, where it's just like, wait a minute, like, you're acting like I'm the bad guy, but what, what is he doing? He picked the locations in Japan to bomb. He chose them. He wants to play the victim card and feel like shit. But at the end of the day, you know, he, very much at fault as well. He's not perfect. And that's another thing, too, is, like, people were thinking, like, oh, Robert Downey Jr., he's the bad guy of the film. It's like, no, I mean... Not really. Not really. He just has a different perspective. Yeah, very different perspective. None of these people are perfect. Yeah. That's the greatest thing about this film. It showcases every character has, like, a sense of, like, oh, wait, I don't agree with what you did there. Like, even Oppenheimer's wife. 
I love Emily Blunt. She's wow. great in this film. What a performance from Emily. Her, her easily her best performance. Yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, Emily Blunt's fantastic. The the way that the sound in this movie kind of foreshadows the event is very well done. There's images of, for example, um, when Emily Blunt finds her husband um, outside and she sees his horse all alone. Yeah. Um, a lone horse represents death. That's what it represents because there's no rider anymore. It's just a lone horse. So you kind of already get that impression. Every time Oppenheimer goes to his, see his family, his kids are always crying. I wonder what that's supposed to indicate. The fact that his PTSD is not from the sound of the bomb, but the sound of the applause after the bomb. Oh, that whole man. sequence really gave me chills. I've, I've, I've never felt... Oh, my God. Oh, it's too many good scenes like that that really showcase how fucking intense this was. If, if um, I'm going to say this. If Barbie was a stance on the hope of humanity, <laughs> Oppenheimer was showcasing the, the downfall of it and how we've you led ourselves it. into these dark paths of war where creating these nuclear bombs and t advanced technology leads to... Well, what else does it lead to other than death? The concept of war has always been like that. You know, America treats it as a victory when in reality it's just one side losing slower than the yeah. other. So. I, I guess I knew the basics about, you know, I mean, this is a biopic at the end of the day. Yes. Which is, it's the greatest biopic ever made. I'm going to say that here right now. All right. I've never, there's not a better biopic ever made. I, there, this is an amazing film. It could have easily been the typical biopic where it's like they, they fade to black and the white text. Well, Oppenheimer died at this age from, you know, chain smoking and he this was a great person. It's like, no, they don't do that this shit. This is not it. No. No. But um, I, I guess I, I wasn't too familiar with the history. Like, uh, you know, it's American history and we're Canadian. So I guess yes. I, I didn't know too much about it. But what a brilliant story. Like, what a brilliant predicament that this guy was in mm -hmm. and the way it's told the way Nolan, you know, Nolan, the, the way t he tells it in like this nonlinear, very Nolan esque way. Yeah. It's, it's the perfect way to tell the story and mm -hmm. has you engaged the whole time. It's not too confusing. No, it's, I like the fact that like I compared it to like if JFK, the movie mixed with Lawrence of Arabia, it's like you're dealing with this epic courtroom yeah. drama while also having the scale of Lawrence of Arabia with yeah. the explosions it's and true. the intensity. And I love that. I wish we had more epics like that. Yeah, <laughs> We don't really get that a lot because um, nobody wants to take chances on not just the practicality of it, but also the subject matter. Yeah, this film, yeah, it's it's crazy that to watch a film like this in 2023. It, does, it just doesn't feel like yeah. anything that's coming out in mm -hmm. recent years. It just, wow. It's it's a breath of fresh air. I still, yeah, I still haven't even gathered my thoughts. It's that yeah. good. It's one of those that that stumps you. And after I watched it, I think I didn't say a word for a couple of hours. You you also notice because um, I noticed this like towards the beginning of the film how it was paced, where it's like Nolan is known for an example of this is Inception, where DiCaprio is talking about the plan. He's like, yeah, "This is how we're going to do the plan." Cuts to them walking into the room. Cuts to them doing it. Cuts to Leo talking again. Notice how in Oppenheimer. He's teaching kids about quantum physics and just the concept of nuclear weaponry. And instead of cutting to him like doing his own stuff, they cut to the experimentation of it. The, 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 the stars, it, it, it's so experimental with how it's all formed and stuff and the sparks and everything. 
And it's like, damn, that he took it to another level visually. He, he took it to another level visually. I felt like I was watching something that I've never seen before done in film yeah. uh, in a lot of parts of this. Um, I had the pleasure of seeing it in IMAX. Nice. Um, you got to go see it in IMAX if you can. Yeah. Do your best to see it in IMAX. I didn't get to see it in 70 millimeter. I know that's what Nolan wants. If, <laughs> if uh, you have a local theater that's showing it in 70 millimeter and you can get tickets, do it. Yeah. Um we live in Ontario, Canada. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's we're actually kind of lucky in comparison yeah. that there's two in there's Ontario two, yeah. because I think there's like 24 in all of America. Jesus. That are showing 70 IMAX. So well, there yeah. If you're um, one of those lucky cities that has it, go see it that way. Um the bigger the screen the better. This yeah. film is visually so incredible. This is a movie you need to see in theaters even the dialogue is sh- uh, like it's not a crazy action film like mm-hmm. we said we said you have to go see top gun maverick in imax because of the action yeah you have to see this movie in imax not because of action just because of how beautiful every shot is mm-hmm. every performance too i i let's just get, i adore it. let's get into the performances robert downey jr gives an amazing performance i haven't seen him act like this since zodiac robert downey jr is back he's back baby. put the iron man suit in the fucking closet <laughs> and never pull it out because you are a top five actor robert downey jr you're one of the best actors working today fuck that iron man shit it's oh, good to see you back his his character in this film he gives off like that great golden same with emily blunt they give off the great golden age of stars yes like, um, it's so nice to i don't know see i just killing I was, it i was just thinking like katherine hepper and rita hayworth with emily blunt like her performance is like oh like we don't get that type of golden age acting, you know? And then Robert Downey Jr.'s performance. I just, I don't know. I, I was thinking of um, like Peter O'Toole, like that type of performance where it's just like, you know, even when he's not angry and yelling and stuff like that, you get that subtlety from him. And it's just like, you don't fucking get that. From I was him. so happy to see him just kill it. Yeah. I was so happy to see him back, like really using his acting chops mm-hmm. and He's he obviously loves the performance. I'm I'm sure you've seen him say that. He, oh yeah, this is the best movie he's been in. He said that. That's fair. And I mean, <laughs> he's not wrong. No, yep. I don't think he's wrong. And I think it's it's probably one of the best performances he's ever given. And you know, with I haven't seen a RGJ performance like this in years. It's because of Iron Man. He yeah. was Iron Man for ten of those years, which is iconic in his own it's right. It's iconic. It's cool, but he is not like you know. It's I guess. Being Iron Man is not as like demanding acting wise. You don't have to go into this like you know, yeah. nuanced performance that he gives here. It's it's amazing. RDJ is a big standout. Yeah. Killian Murphy though. Oh my God. We got to give him his flowers. Yeah. Um, he's a leading man. Yeah. He's a leading man, and he showed it here. He's played support for many many years. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a leading man. Yeah. This is a fantastic, fantastic Killian Murphy performance. To me, it's really like you see the pain in his eyes, in his face. It's Al Pacino 70s-esque performance where you're seeing his emotion in Mm -hmm. his face. I think, you know what, I I I think about Al. I I think about Al in The Godfather. I think about Al in those like, you know, young roles of his. Oh, my God. This is is a killer Killian Murphy performance. easily the best of his career and i I think it's going to change his career it is crazy too because like i was talking to one of my friends about how it demonstrated his affair with uh, florence Pugh's character 
I feel like when he has to admit to the fact, you know, basically in front of his wife that he was having an affair, the way it was illustrated, it, it was done like very experimental, very like, I don't know. I, I feel like this is one of Nolan's most like experimental works where it's just like you see his mental state and like what he's dealing with. When he's answering the question of he, him having an affair, he's naked, having sex. Like, you see that. Yeah. And it's, like, it's done in a way that's, like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's fucked up. Like, no one puts us in their heads. It's unreal the way he does it sometimes. Oh, my God. Um, other performances. There are so many fucking actors in all, this film, by Everybody's the way. in this movie. Everyone. And it'll be, like, the biggest actor will do, will do two minutes on camera, and it's, it's amazing. I mean, you have, like, guys like Rami Malek. And oh, yeah. Who are doing, like, super short roles. So it's so much. But, I mean, Matt Damon, you get a great Matt Damon performance yes, here. Yes, Matt Damon was great in this film as the um, general. That, that performance is made for Matt Damon. He's, mm-hmm. he's great. Yeah. Um, did you notice two specific actors? Roderick? And Josh from Drake and Josh. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Josh Peck. Josh Peck. Who pressed the button. Pressed the button. Got to press the button. Had a big role there. And that's that's the thing, too, with Nolan. It's just like I was the same way with Dunkirk. Where I was like, well, Harry Styles? What, what the fuck is and he doing? It just and works. Then, yeah, it just works. Right? Yeah. How the fuck does he do that every time? He's a great director. Because <laughs> he has his pick. Yeah. He has his pick of, you know, uh, Veteran director, or veteran actors for any yes. movie. Like, and th- this movie makes it the most clear that everybody wants to work with Nolan. Oh, yeah. And they'll take pay cuts. They'll take small roles. It doesn't matter. So for Nolan to just be like, you know what? Let me get like Josh Peck or let me get Harry Styles. Yeah. And I can make it work. Uh, it- it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's, it, there's so many actors in this. Uh, ben Safdie's great in it. Ben Safdie kills it in That this. accent fucking works for him. He's when, never done an accent like that in any other when film. When I saw him like give his first lines of dialogue, I said, he's going to do that accent the whole time? Yep. Is it going to work? And it does. Oh, it does. It, he's like a great actor. Like yeah. I could see him going, if he didn't want to direct, like he could be an actor. I really do see him having that oh, yeah. in him. Another actor that I did not expect to be in this film, but when it happened, I was I love the scene. It was uh, Gary Oldman as the president, Harry S. Truman. Wow. That scene where Oppenheimer basically oh. says to him, like, I feel like I have blood on my hands. And, and then he pulls out his Holy fuck, holy man. Fuck. Fucking oh chills. I'm breaking the set. I know, you're breaking the set because oh of how good this God. film is. But another thing to look at from from Gary Oldman's perspective as the character, Harry S. Truman, the president, is basically like, he's saying, yeah, sure, you made the bullet, but I'm the one who pulled the trigger, you know? But you can also look at it from the perspective of like, this kid doesn't know anything. Like, you can't, you're not man enough to understand this. It's like, you can look at it in both ways where it's just like, I'm the one with the blood on my hands. Who the fuck are you? That's Yeah, that scene is so deep. Boom. That scene is so deep where you're just like, who the... Who cares who made? Nobody cares who made the bomb. Um, I want to talk about Albert Einstein. Oh yeah, I wrote it in my. I wrote you it say, in the notes. I read it. It yeah. says the Avengers Einstein cameo because Einstein's cameo feels like you're getting a superhero Avengers cameo. Yeah, it's like um, I the the way I can describe Einstein and Oppenheimer in this film is like. 
I don't know if historically how involved they were together, like in history and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I'm sure that they were. Yeah. But it reminded me a lot of like Ed Wood with him and Orson Welles. Okay, yeah. Historically speaking, Ed Wood never met Orson Welles. Right. But the contrast of creatives together having conversations like that. I don't know how how accurate this film is. Honestly, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't no. care about the minute details. What I care about is why Einstein was in this film. And the reason why is to show the older generation of physicists, scientists, learning and realizing that the new future is about to come. Hence why you see Einstein's last conversation with Oppenheimer at the end of the film. It's basically like saying like, yeah, I'm the older generation. I'm going to die out. And then you're going to live on to see this new technology wave through. It ties in so well. And the first time he's mentioned, they downplay him. Like, I I don't know if you remember the scene where they talk about like, yeah, he used to be the top guy. Yeah. But now he's just like an old guy. Like, yeah, he was the top guy. But meanwhile, in the end, they circle back and he had, you know, the foresight to see how everything was going to play out. Yeah. So he really was the smartest one. Um, He was the one that basically told Oppenheimer, like, at the end of the day, when this gets made years from now, you're going to be shaking hands with these people. And it's from death. It's just all death. It's just shaking hands and fake smiles. It's like, that's what... (laughs) <laughs> That's what American politics was built on, was the sense of, like, victory when in reality it was it's fucking tragedy. And was... revealing that in the end gives meaning to, to Einstein's cameo, yeah. unlike an Avengers cameo, where it's like, stick a guy in, and that's good enough. Yeah. You give him this, like, real role and, and meaning, and yeah. he adds to the story. Very much so. Not He's not just like, oh, it's Einstein. I think, yeah, and that's another thing, too, I got to state, is like, all these actors are playing real-life people, but it seems like the Einstein one is so recognizable because everyone yeah. knows who the fuck he is. Yeah, exactly. And it didn't stick out at all in any of his scenes except one, and I think you know which one it is. It's the one where the car drives off, and then you just see him standing there like... Oppenheimer, how's it going? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, did you get locked out of your house? Why the fuck are you outside in the dark? Yeah, like that? That's true. That one was a little weird. That but. shit confused me, man. I was like, do you have a key to the house? <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? But no, his presence was great. I, I, I love the fact that uh, Louis Strauss, Robert Downey Jr.'s character, thought that they were, they were talking about him. Oh, Show, man. Really showed the ego in him at the end of the day. And uh, that whole courtroom stuff, man, I'm like, ooh, this is like, you know, Godfather 2 with the courtroom there. It was like that cinematic. There's a lot of parallels, yeah. I love love people talking. I love how intense it gets because at the end of the day, a great director can make something as boring as two people talking the most interesting thing. Yeah. Which is why I think this is not only my favorite Nolan film, but one, and it might be my favorite film of the year. I'm just saying. I'm just pointing that out there. No, it, it it's, it's definitely, <laughs> right now, it's my favorite film of the year. Yeah. Um, it's not even a question. I think that there's maybe only one film that can compete, and we'll see in October, Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, shit, you're right. We'll Fuck. see We'll see in October how I feel about Killers of the Flower Moon. You know that I think mm. Scorsese is the greatest of all time. Before we end off, general thoughts and your rating. On general Open thoughts Heimer. and rating. Wow, this movie is a dense, three-hour, Godfather-esque epic the best biopic ever made um 
it's making leaps in film. It's making he's making leaps in IMAX. He's just he's making leaps in editing, sound design. It's Nolan's most personal. It's his most experimental, and it is probably his best. I'm gonna give this movie a nine out of ten. Hell yeah, a nine out of ten. I'm, and that's my and my ratings may change. It's so dense. Yes, that I can't wait to see it again, and maybe my rating will go up or down seeing it one or two more times. Mm-hmm. But uh, go see this in theaters. You have to. Yeah. For me, this is Nolan's magnum opus. Everything that he has built as a director has come to this. All the things you liked about Memento, Prestige, Dark Knight Trilogy, Inception, Tenet, Stellar, Interstellar, all come through here. But it's not done in a bombastic way. It's done in a sophisticated way. Three-hour epic. Loved every minute of it. It's It's... I'm gonna be honest. It's not a happy one. No, it's not a happy one. And nope. if you're not, if you're not for it, I totally get it. It's the style that really comes forth. If you subscribe to Nolan's style, you're you're in for a fucking show. You really are. I'm giving this a nine out of ten as well. Damn. Yeah. Our highest rating so far reviewing films two nine out of ten. So far, yeah. That's that's crazy, yeah. man. This weekend, I really fell in love with film all over again. It's so exciting. Um, all the movies that are out right now and it's a great time to be a fan of film oh yeah thank you for watching this episode of the real talk podcast uh don't forget to leave a like comment and subscribe to your boys we'll catch you in the next one take care brush your hair peace out peace